excuse me. Nehemiah chapter 6. Before we get into that, what, what I feel the Lord wants to say this morning, uh, I just want to read something here that might tickle your ears. For those who like to laugh, it says at a couples counseling meeting, the speaker mentioned that couples are so disconnected that 85% of husbands don't even know their wife's favorite flower. Mick turned to his wife and whispered, it's self-raising, isn't it? (laughs) (coughs) And it got me thinking actually, husbands, it actually got me thinking, if we were to do a poll in the church of all the husbands here, how many would get their wife's favorite flower right? And wives, how many of you would be confident that your husband would get it right? But I'm not going to embarrass anybody um, <coughs> today on that question. Daffodils. Daffodils. There we go. One man knows. Daffodils. Roses. <coughs> Roses. Okay, we're on a road. We might as well keep going. Some people want to show off. Okay, so we've got daffodils and roses. Anybody else? Any other takers? Right. Okay. Praise the Lord. <coughs> it's, it's, good to, it's good to laugh in the house of God. Amen. Anybody agree? Yeah. Amen. You know, how many of us know that God is always doing something? Always doing something. And there are specific seasons where God is doing something more focused in our lives. He's always working, he's always moving, he's always doing something. You know, the scripture says that we are being transformed from glory to glory. So God is always working in us. Even though we might not feel it, he's always doing something. But there are seasons when there are, God is just putting his finger on something in our lives where we feel just that little extra squeeze or we feel that little extra push or we feel that little extra, okay God, this is a bit... What are you doing? And how many of us know that Jesus did not react to the devil? Jesus did not live his life reacting to the devil. Jesus lived his life responding to the Father. Amen. I've talked to Christians over the years who believe that Jesus reacted to the devil because everything that the devil was trying to do, Jesus' reaction was that he was going to die on the cross. But we know from the words of Jesus that Jesus said what the Father said and he did what he saw the Father doing. So Jesus always responded to the Father. It was never a reaction. And in those focused seasons in our lives when we feel that God is doing something specific with us, I want to suggest to us and propose to us too that the focus should always be on what the Father is doing and not what the enemy is trying to do in that season. And I think Nehemiah understood this principle. In Nehemiah, we know the story, a quick, quick little backdrop. We know that Nehemiah was moved by uh, the condition of Israel, the condition of the wall that had been destroyed due to the captivity of his people. And God moved in his heart and he had it in his heart to rebuild the wall. And in Nehemiah chapter 6, we have the process where the wall is almost completed. The wall is almost finished. And at the beginning of chapter 6, we can see here that it says, as it happened when Sinbalah, Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of her enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall 
that there were no breaks left in it. Though at the time I had not hung the doors or in the gates. So the wall, the physical wall itself was completed, but the gates, the doors had not been hung. But I love what Nehemiah says this. When there were no breaks left in the wall. That's when Sanballat, Tobiah and the other guy, Geshem, began to bring an attack against Nehemiah. And it's been my experience in my walk with the Lord that when the, in those focused seasons where God is doing something specific and he's putting his finger on something and you feel like you're getting to the end of that process. You feel like you're just about, about to break through into the revelation or the answer that you have been waiting for, that you have been seeking for, that you have been asking for. It's in those seasons when the enemy begin, begins to plot an attack, if you like, against you or against me in those seasons when we're just about to step into our breakthrough or our, or our answers. And this is the process of uh, what, what this is what was going on in this situation here with Nehemiah. The wall was almost complete. There were no breaks left in it. And just as the door and the gates needed to be hung, then the enemy was beginning to attack. And there are many Christians who I've talked with over the years who, when they're in seasons of, they're not sure of what's going on, they're, they they're asking God for questions or for answers and they're seeking God for direction but at the same side at the different side of the same coin it's like but the enemy is doing so much and he's doing this and he's doing this and he's doing this and it's almost like they forget what God is doing and they're more focused on what the enemy is doing anybody ever been there or talked to people like that they become so hyper spiritual everything is a spiritual attack everything is about what the enemy is doing and they're forgetting what God is doing. Because the story of Nehemiah is not about Nehemiah. The story of Nehemiah is about the purposes of God for Israel being established. And in the purpose of Israel being established once again, God is using Nehemiah. So when Nehemiah is facing his attackers and these plots against him, he's not so much attacking Nehemiah. The enemy is actually attacking the plan and the purpose of God. And when we find ourselves in those seasons where there's a focused attention on what God is doing, the enemy's not so much attacking you, but he's attacking the purpose of God for you, in you, and through you. And we need to be aware, as we see Nehemiah was, as we read on through this story, in the seasons where God is focused on doing something in a, in a specific way, we need to be aware that it's what God is doing and not what the enemy is seeking to do. And we read on in verse 2 that says that Simbalan Geshem sent to me saying, Come let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But Nehemiah, but Nehemiah says, But they taught to do me harm. I love that about Nehemiah. He was so aware of what God is doing that when the distraction came, he was able to stop it. He was able to prevent this part of the attack from what God was doing. Because as we read on, it says, so I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? You see, Nehemiah was so focused on what God was doing, the plan and purposes of God, he wasn't willing to allow himself to be distracted by what the enemy was seeking to do, that he was willing just to continue on with the work. 
He's like, I'm not going to get distracted with what you're seeking to do. I'm not going to let that sidestep me from the plan and purposes of God rebuilding this wall. Because I told the king I would have it done so many days. And I need to get that done. And one of the greatest schemes or tricks of the enemy is when we are in those seasons where God is specifically doing something focused in our lives, the enemy will try to distract us. Anybody ever been there? He will seek to distract us. But Nehemiah had an awareness that the work that he was doing was of far greater importance than the distraction that was seeking to derail that purpose. And in verse 4 he says, But they sent me this message four times. Four times the same message. Come off the wall and let's have a conversation. Have you ever noticed that when you're in those seasons with God, those focused seasons where you're about to get your breakthrough, you're about to get your answer, whatever it may be, that when you find yourself distracted, that the enemy will use the exact same thing to distract you with? Yeah? You see, because there's not one of us in this room that is not beyond the ability to be distracted. Every one of us in this room can be distracted with something because every one of us in this room has something that we can be distracted with. There's not one of us in this room that cannot be distracted. If you think you can't, please pray for yourself. We all have, if you like, breaks in the walls because the enemy knows what our weak spots are. Let's be real, folks. We all have weaknesses, every one of us. And we know the enemy walks about like a roaring lion. I was reading that in Job the other day where God gives, uh, he was having this conversation with Satan. And God asks, where have you been? He says, I'm just walking about, walking, to, walking the earth to and fro. And Peter says the exact same thing. He says, the enemy walks about like a roaring lion, to and fro, watching to see who he can distract. Four times, Nehemiah's enemies sent him the same message. And Nehemiah's response again, and I answered them in the same manner as he did the previous three times. Verse 5, then Sambala sent his servant to me as before the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. It, and in it was written, It is reported among the nations and Gresham says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. And you also have appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem saying, There is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king. So come to get, therefore, and let us consult together. You see, the enemy's tactics, the enemy's ploy, in a, a, what would you say? The enemy's routine, you could put it like that. He always uses the same thing. He begins with a distraction. Because if he can get your attention, then he can do something else. But we can see here that Nehemiah didn't respond to the distraction. Nehemiah, when the distractions weren't working, then the enemy began to accuse him of certain things. Accuse him of trying to bring a rebellion against the king. Accuse him of trying to bring a revolt against the king. He began to use lies and decease against 
Nehemiah. I want to suggest and propose to us that any accusation that is ever thrown at us, the only power that's in an accusation is the agreement that's made with it. That's where the power is. When you come into agreement with that accusation. Think about it. Naturally speaking. You see something in the media or you see something in the news. Somebody makes an accusation against somebody else. That accusation is unfounded until the other side of the story is told. Now if there is truth in the accusation. Then the accusation becomes true. But if there's no truth in the accusation, then the accusation has to fall away. You see, those in the body of Christ, those who are in Christ, covered by the blood and washed by the blood of Jesus, no matter what accusation comes against us, we are covered. We're covered. And what happens sometimes is we get ourselves into trouble that when the enemy begins begins to accuse us of certain things, that if we actually begin to entertain those accusations and we get to the point where we begin to accept those accusations and come into an agreement with those accusations, the enemy has you. He has you. There is no power in any accusation unless we make an agreement with it. And Nehemiah did not make any agreement with these accusations, these lies against him. In verse 8 it says, Then I sent to him saying, No such things as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. You invent them in your own heart. And how many of us know, we know the enemy, the devil, the fa- is known as the father of lies. Jesus speaks about that in John 8. He's the father of lies. That anything that comes out of his mouth is deception, deceit, lies, untruthful, cannot be trusted. Verse 9, for they were all trying to make us afraid. And here we have the pattern continuing. First, it's distraction. Then it's the accusations and the lies. But the sole purpose, in verse 9, for they were all trying to make us afraid. Saying their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. You see, here's the enemy's ploy. He wants to stop the purpose of God being established in your life. That's what he's after. He doesn't care who's about you as an individual. What he does care about is the purposes of God being established in your life. Because as the purposes of God are established in your life and in my life, God gets the glory. And that's what the enemy doesn't want. For God to receive praise, honor and glory. It's why testimonies are so powerful. Because when we give testimony to what God has done, is doing and will do, the enemy doesn't like it. All that we would get a revelation of testimony. For they were all trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. And I love this because, as I said, in all of what was happening with Nehemiah, Nehemiah was focused on what God was doing, not on the attacks of the enemy. And in the middle of the attack, in the middle of the distractions and the lies and the accusations, in the middle of trying to bring fear into the camp of Nehemiah and his workers, Nehemiah's response was, God, strengthen my hands. 
His focus was on what God was doing. Strengthen my hands to finish the work. Strengthen my hands to finish the wall because this is what you have called me to do. Nehemiah was not ignorant of the attacks. There's no wisdom in ignorance. But he said, strengthen my hands, O God. And I think he demonstrates something great in the midst of plots of the enemy. Turn to God. Simple. But yet, not so often used. Verse 10, afterward I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Metadabel, who was, at a, who was a secret informer. And he said, let, these, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. And let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night, they will come to kill you. And I said, should such a man as I flee, and who is there such as I, who would go into the temple to save his life, I will not go in. Let's just pause here for a second. Here we have the plot unfolding again. The attack is increasing. The distractions, the lies, the accusations, the fear. And then the enemy begins to, the enemy begins to use other people. And it might seem like a strange thing to say, but in those seasons where we have God doing something focused and specific in our lives, we need to be very aware of the the people that actually we let into our lives in those seasons. We need to be very careful about the people we let speak into our situation. We need to be careful about the people we let speak into into those moments because with the best will of intentions, they may not be speaking truth. Has anybody ever had those experiences? If we could ask Job, he could testify to that too. It's very, very important that when we're in those seasons and we are aware of what the enemy is doing, that we don't allow the enemy to use people to speak into our lives that can actually cause greater destruction. And this was the ploy of the enemy here. He was using this man who was trying to get Nehemiah to come into the temple And again, I love what Nehemiah's response was, verse 12. Then I perceived that God had not sent him at all. But that he had pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. You see, Nehemiah had the discernment to recognize who was of God and who wasn't of God. Discernment is a great gift that we should be praying for regularly. Lord, that I may discern the people that you send into my life. Help me to see who you have sent and who you haven't sent. For this reason, Nehemiah says, he was hired. That I should be afraid. And act that way and sin. You see, because Nehemiah, if he had went into the the temple, Nehemiah was not a priest. And Nehemiah knew that he had to be a priest to step into the temple. And if he had stepped into the temple, he knew he would have sinned. And with the plot and the ploy of the enemy, with the distractions, the accusations, the lies, the fear, and here we're going to just pick up on that again for a moment. Fear. Rob said something about this last night on the way home in the car, and I was going to go into it. I was like, no, I'll keep it until tomorrow. But Rob made this point on the way home last night, and it was... It had no, we had no context for it. It was just something obviously that was going through his mind. But he says, fear is a terrible thing. 
And it is. Fear is a terrible thing. And in this process here, what we see is, Nehemiah recognised that this man was hired so that he would be afraid and act in a way and sin. You see, what fear wants is, for first of all, for you to be afraid and then act in a way that is contrary to, God, to who God says you are and do something that you shouldn't. That's what fear wants you to do. Because if I let fear get in on me, then I begin to believe all sorts of things that are not true. And then I began to act according to those things that I'm now believing. And sometimes those beliefs will lead me to do something that is contrary to who God says I am. Anybody ever been there? And there's a process here that this man was hired so that I would be afraid. Then that I would act and that I would sin. Just think over this past year and a half or so with the world that we're living in right now. So much fear ramping through the world. And that same fear is within some of the body of Christ. It's there. Christians afraid of what might happen with COVID. And we begin to take on these fears and we begin to take on these beliefs that if I actually agree, remember, if we come into agreement with what's not true, then I begin to act in a way that is contrary to who God says I am in this world. I begin to believe and act in a way that is, makes me shy away from being a son of God. I begin to shy away from being a daughter of God. I begin to act like somebody who does not know better. Paul says to Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Some versions say self-control. God has given us power, love, and a sound mind. Not the spirit of fear. Fear hopes that you will act in a way that is contrary to who you are. Because we have the emotion, then we have the action, the consequence. And as we read on, it says... For this reason he was hired that I should be afraid and act that way in sin so that they may have cause for an evil report that they might reproach me. See, if we give in to the fear and we act in, in a way that is contrary to who God says we are, the enemy then has reason to discredit you. And that's what he's after. It says in Revelations 12, verse 10, that the enemy, before the throne, night and day, the accuser of the brethren, he's looking to discredit you all the time. Because if he can discredit you, he has a hold over you. And when he gets a hold over you, then you soon then begin to forget the plans and purposes of God that's spoken over your life. And you begin to look inward and think, oh, what was me and all of those bad things. The enemy is always seeking to discredit us. Always. At every opportunity. Every opportunity. 
And that's what fear wants to do. It wants to discredit you. Because if you begin to do things and live in a way that is contrary to who you are, he can discredit you. Verse 15. Sorry, not verse 15. Verse 14. Again, in the middle of the enemy's plots, Nehemiah's response was, My God, remember Tobiah and Sambala according to, the, to their works. And the prophetess Nodiah and the rest of the prophets who would have made me afraid. The years by his response when fear was knocking on his door. Remember. My God, remember. He turned once again to his God. He didn't open the door to fear. But he says, my God. Remember. Remember what these are seeking to do. Remember these things that they have said. Remember these, their works. Remember everything that they are seeking to do. Because not only are they seeking to discredit me. They are seeking to pervert and prevent the work of God. Verse 15. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul. In 52 days. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it. And all the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes. For they perceived that this work was done by our God. Our God. You see, here is the heart of it all, folks. In the midst of the enemy's plots and attacks, in the midst of the distractions, the accusations, the fear that was knocking on his door... Nehemiah still finished the season that God had him in. He finished strong. He was steadfast. He remembered his God in the midst of attacks. He remembered his God in when fear was knocking on his door. And he completed the wall in 52 days. And as he says, when the wall was finished, his enemies, those that were seeking to bring harm and to bring destruction to the purposes of God could only stand back and say and perceive it had to have been their God. What an incredible testimony Amen. that when we come out of those seasons that we find ourselves in with God, those focused seasons, that when other people are writing you off, that when other people says they're done, God is finished with you, God is, God is never going to use you again in those seasons when you actually come out the other side of those. What a testimony that you will have to say and your enemies will stand back. The people who doubted you, the people who said you're finished, the people who said it's all done can stand back and say, it had to be God. Yeah. It had to be God. Yeah. And in everything... That was happening in this chapter, in this narrative. One of the things that's grabbed my attention the most is Nehemiah's remembrance of God. Didn't matter how bad it was getting for Nehemiah, Nehemiah remembered him. And there's some of us maybe sitting in this room today who are in a season where God is doing something focused. You are in this season a long time you are waiting for answers you're waiting for breakthrough and I get it I get it it's the season I find myself in at the moment 
I get it. It can be frustrating and you can become tired. Has anybody ever become tired of being tired? Because yeah. <laughs> I tell you something, I'm just going to be honest, that's me right now. I'm tired of being tired. But, but God, I can get distracted with not having all the answers to the questions I'm asking. I can get distracted with the things that the enemy try to, tries to use against me time and time again. And if I allow the enemy to throw the accusations that he throws at me, if I begin to come into agreement with those, then I begin to put myself in a place where I'm going to have to do a lot more to get myself out of there. Because when the answers are not coming to the prayers that we've been praying, when the doors are not opening to the doors we've been knocking on, for the people that we've been praying for, for the sickness that we've been praying for, for the provision that we've been asking for, for whatever it is that we're asking the Lord for, the longer it goes, we begin to really, we begin to question and ask questions and wonder, Lord, where are you? Anybody ever been there? Where are you, God? And fear can come knocking on our door. We have a choice. Do we open that door or do we keep it closed? Do I open the door or do I turn to my God and say, but God, remember. I want to encourage you with this message because as I said from the beginning, this message was not about Nehemiah. This message is about the plan and purposes of God being established. Now my Bible says in Philippians 1.6 that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So for those who are feeling like there are still some breaks in your wall, who are feeling like there are still some gates to be hung on the wall, God says to you this today, he hasn't brought you this far to leave you where you are. It's not the type of God he is, it's not the type of father he is. We sang today about how good of a father he is. He will bring it to completion. Amen. But in the seasons of focused attention and the seasons of specifics of what God is doing, but God, remember. Now I've asked Marcin to set me up with a song there to play. I just want us to, I know sometimes we get someone back, but I just want this song to play over the body. Just to close right and just think of the words. Think of the words of this song and let it minister to your heart. I, I'm praying and trusting that this song will minister into your season will minister into your heart, to your questions, to your thoughts about just the season that we find ourselves in. So Marcy, if you want to just set that up for me, please. And when that plays, then I'm just going to pray over us, release us, and then we're done.
just, in light of those words, we just, of what we've heard from your word today, Father, in the midst of distraction, accusations, fear maybe knocking at our door, trying to derail the season that God has us, trying to derail the purpose that God has us in. Father, may we remember you. May we remember, as that song says, may our souls remember who we're speaking to. May everything within me remember who I'm speaking to. The one who death answers to. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this message. I thank you for the words. I pray, Father, that those who have heard your words, that you will speak to their hearts, encourage them, strengthen them. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.